I'm going to begin this morning by asking you to take a trip with me, and we're going to go to a funeral. And the funeral we're going to go to is yours. Fun way to start a sermon, right? Uh, But stick with me. You get to walk in. It's your service. And um, you're sitting in the back. And you look up front, and there are flowers all over the front and plants. That's a good thing. Peers by the flowers. Maybe people appreciated you or loved you. You walk in, and you hear... Uh, your, some of your favorite music and songs, whether they're hymns or, or praise choruses or whatever, they're being played. Your families listen to your wishes and they have some of your music playing. The church is full of people who have come to bid you farewell. And there are four people who have been asked to share comments or remarks about you. Uh, who do you think they might be? The first would be probably a member of your family. Uh, there would probably be one of your close friends. Somebody perhaps from work, one of your co-workers, and then probably somebody from your church. And they're all going to say a few words about you, but there's a catch. Uh, That might be a little bit different than some services, funerals you might have gone to. There's no embellishment, no exaggeration. Everything is completely 100% accurate and true. Now, think for a minute. What would you like said about you? What would you like each person to say? What kind of person do you want them to say that you were? What kind of husband or, or father or mother or wife or brother, sister, son, daughter, friend? What would you like them to say about your character? Which achievements would you like them to highlight about your life? As you look around at the people who are there, what difference would you like to have made in their lives? Now, in this scenario, you're able to kind of mix and mingle without being noticed. Uh, so you can listen in on the conversations before and after the, after the service. What sort of things would you like to hear? Oh, he was a hard worker. She always had a smile. Great sense of humor. You could depend upon him for anything. He never let me down. I've never met a more honest person. She was generous and she was caring. Stephen Covey, who is author of the highly popular and bestseller book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says that thinking through these questions, deciding what you would want people to say about you at your own funeral, can help you determine your choices and your purpose in life. He says thinking through these questions will also help you make plans for the future so you don't look back at, the, at some point in your life and say, man, I wish I would have, I could have, I should have, Regretting things that you did or didn't do. Well, today we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this topic, our future, about living a life without regrets. I mean, we all have regrets, right? There's all, all of us have done things we wish we hadn't done or said things we wish we hadn't said or not done things we wish we would have done or not said things we should have done. We all have regrets. But we're going to look at what the Bible says, Proverbs in particular, but also some other passages and look at what the Bible has to say about, about living today, planning our future, and being able to look back in 1, 2, 5, 10, 15, 20 years and say, you know, I've made mistakes, but all in all, I feel like I did my best to live my life in a way that honors God and benefits others. So, let's take a look at this. So, in planning your life, there are two mistakes to avoid, two general mistakes to avoid. One of them is... You can spend your whole life focused on the future to the extent that you're never really fully present in the day. You know, I mean, maybe you've known people like that. Maybe you've 
caught yourself doing that? Always focus, boy, when I get out of high school, college is going to be great. Or when I retire, or when I get married, or whatever. And you, you're always focused on the future and not really enjoying the day. You're not fully present today. That's one extreme or mistake to avoid. The other is to spend your life living only for today with total disregard for the future. Kind of like, well, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, so I'm just going to really enjoy today. The Bible warns against both extremes. The Bible teaches us that there is a balance that can be achieved. And the key to it is this. We are to live today like it matters for eternity. Because it does, right? Each day of our lives has eternal significance. What we do today will make a difference in how we perceive the value of our life when we look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. The wisdom of the prudent, King Solomon says, is to give thought to their ways. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. You know, you might be sitting here and say, well, Pastor Doug, I have a lot of regrets. I've really messed some things up. I can't go back and change it. What do I do? I have regrets too. There's things I wish I could go back and change. I can't. But we do have today. And we can take charge of today and begin doing things to get the most out of today. And in the process, as we do that, our future will become what we want it to be. We'll become the people that we want to be, that God calls us to be. And so here are three things we can do to plan a life, to live a life without regrets. First, Make a decision. Decide. This is the kind of person that I want to be. And then do something to make it happen. Decide the kind of person that you want to be and do something to make it happen. Pastor Steve May once asked this question. What do you want to be said about you truthfully at your funeral? And he asked the life group. And there are two answers in particular that I think are interesting. One person said, I want people to say she wasn't out to make friends. She only cared about doing what was right. Another person said, I want to be remembered as someone who is sensitive to the needs and hurts of others. Now, it's helpful to understand their context. The first person worked in a place where she had great responsibility, and she frequently had to make unpopular decisions based upon what she thought was best for her company, her clients, and her employees. The second person was involved in social services. Both were committed believers. Both were committed Christians. Each one had a different idea about what was most important to them in character development. What values are most important to you? It's helpful for us to look at the teachings of Paul. Paul was one of the most focused, disciplined people, strategic people in the Bible. And when you look at his writings, it's evident that he placed a great deal of importance on consistency and faithfulness. Kind of a long obedience in the same direction. Near the end of his ministry, near the end of his life, he wrote these words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Earlier in his ministry, he said this, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I only may finish the race and complete the task The Lord Jesus has given me. So I think if Paul were standing here today in the flesh and he could answer and we asked him, what do you want to be true about you? He would most likely say, among other things, I want to be found faithful to the very end. 
He knew what kind of person he wanted to be. And every day he did something to make that true, make it a reality in his life. That's why he said these words in 1 Corinthians 9. I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, he's using a metaphor here. He's not talking about self-flagellation where he beats himself with a whip or something. He's talking about really focusing and disciplining his mind, his body, his spirit, his heart, his time, his passion. He's focusing in it so he can be found faithful at the end of his race. And if he wants to be found faithful at the end of race, he has to be found faithful today. He lived every day like it had eternal significance because each day does. So I want you to think about this for a second. What are the three character qualities that you want to see developed in your life? We, we all have certain quality characteristics that we want to see grow. And some of them will overlap. Some of them will be different. But say maybe one of them was compassion or one would be a self-discipline or, or one would be being patient or whatever. I mean, more loving, more, less judgmental, whatever it might be. Three characteristics that you would like to see developed in your life. I would encourage you then to, for the next week, do at least one thing each day that will move you in the direction of making that character quality a reality in your life. It's about intentionality. It's about focus. It's about living a life that's reflective and intentional. Because people who live lives of significance do not get there by accident. They get there by effort, by God's grace, by intentionality. A prudent person gives thought to their steps. Secondly, in planning a life and living a life without regrets, limited regrets anyway, we are to focus on what we can give rather than what we can get. You know, I've seen some of these goal-setting um, motivational speakers on TV where there'll be a celebrity or a motivational author or speaker and, and they'll stand up there and they'll, they'll encourage people to make a wish list. Visualize the kind of life you want to have. And sometimes they'll even say, state it in a positive, like you have already received it, kind of a name it, claim it. So you might say, I now earn whatever, a year, or I own a new Mercedes, or I have a vacation home in Colorado, or I live in a 5,000 square foot home. Whatever it might be, they, sometimes they'll say, say it like you already have it. Speak it into reality, and it'll come later. Now, there's, there is, there's some value in, 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 in positive thinking and setting goals, certainly, and, and visualizing certain things. But the problem is that the entire focus is on what you get. And there's a big difference between having things and living a life of significance. That's especially true in our materialistic, focused society. So I'd encourage you, instead of setting a goal for how much money I can get, maybe set a goal for how generous you can be and how much you can help others through your generosity. Or rather, instead of setting a goal for I want to reach a certain level in my company, which is not a bad thing, maybe instead set a goal of what can I do to make myself more valuable as an employee? The difference is more than just a matter of semantics. It's a matter of focus. You know, some people spend their entire lives Working jobs they despise because it offers security. Because it enables them to have certain things. But take my, don't take the Bible's word for it. That does not bring significance. That does not bring happiness or meaning or purpose. It just isn't worth it. Things 
do not make our lives significant. When it's all said and done, the only thing that will last is our relationship with Christ and our relationships with others. The Bible says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You probably never heard of the name Ricky Freeman, but he was a baseball player. And he never got above the double A level. He played in Western Tennessee. And a great player, but, you know, couldn't quite make it to the big leagues. And he writes about the day when he realized, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it get the call up. And he writes this about it. He said, I, I wouldn't have turned down an offer to play in the majors. But if it didn't happen, I was okay with it. Doesn't mean I failed. That wasn't my ultimate goal. He goes on to talk about how he now uses his connections and from minor league baseball and his celebrity in his local region. He speaks at churches and schools. He urges kids to recognize that God, that Christ is to be at the center of their lives. And he helps, he uses his connections to help others make a connection with Jesus Christ. A third way we can make it, we can create a significant life, a life without regrets or limited regrets, is to look for eternal significance in everything that we do. Sometimes we sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves short on the things that we do. You've probably heard the, the, the well-told story about the three bricklayers. They're, they're laying bricks, and somebody walks by, and he says, what are you guys doing? One of them says, well, it's obvious. I'm laying bricks. The other one says, well, I'm making seventeen fifty an hour. Pretty good for a blue-collar guy. The third one says, I'm building a cathedral for the glory of God. All doing the same job. Different perspective about it. The key to significance and a satisfying life is is to recognize the eternal value of all the little things we do each and every day. I was reading an article recently unless it talked about this young widow. She had lost her husband a year ago and uh, it was just after Thanksgiving. She told the story that at Thanksgiving that year, uh, they were going around the table telling each other what they were thankful for. And her eight-year-old son said, I'm thankful for all the times that dad went outside and played catch with me. And the woman reflecting later said, Tim was a good man and a good father. His office was at the house. But whenever a client would miss an appointment, he would take Michael outside to play catch. And he used this as a way to diffuse his anger and frustration over a client missing a session. He had no idea. He was creating a memory that would last a lifetime. And then she said, if he had only realized how significant it was, I'm sure he would have done it more. Every day matters. The details of our lives may seem mundane, but they're significant. They have eternal significance. We may think we're killing time or simply passing time. But we could be strengthening the bond of a relationship. It may just seem like small talk to us, but the conversation we might have in the hallway or at work, it could change somebody's life forever. It could be exactly what they need to hear to get through the day. We may think we're just laying bricks, but we could be building a cathedral for God's glory. We see this principle in the life of Christ. You look at the Gospels. And Jesus will stop and he'll have a meal, just an average mundane meal with somebody. And it ends up being a, a life-changing encounter. Or Jesus will be walking along the road with his disciples, very mundane. He'll see a tree, mundane object. 
And he'll teach his, his disciples a lesson about faith. There are no throwaway moments. Every day matters. Look for the eternal significance in your work, in your words, in your relationships, in your actions. You know, each year there's a sand sculpting contest at Newport Beach, California. I'm sure you've seen these where they'll take sand and they'll create these sculptures of, you know, dragons or mermaids or some sort of creature or faces, castles, cars, all sorts of things, all using sand. And it takes incredible talent to be able to do this. And thousands of visitors come every year to ooh and awe at Newport Beach over these, these masterpieces. But if you go visit that same stretch of beach a few days after the competition is over, you'll see that it's all gone. All the magnificent works of art washed away by the tide as if it never happened. Our lives do not have to be that way. Our lives don't have to be washed away and forgotten. We can live lives of significance, a life with very little regret. We can become the people we want to be, that God calls us to be. We can do great things for God that benefit others. We can be a part of building a, you know, a cathedral for the glory of God. The key is to live today like it matters for all eternity because it really, really does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life, for that span of time between our conception and birth and the moment of our death. We thank you for all the opportunities we have in that span to, to know you and to love you, to make a difference in the lives of others, to live a life of significance. Lord, we confess to you that we all have regrets. Forgive us. And we, we know that in the future that we'll have regrets too. But Lord, help us to be people who are more intentional. Who really value each moment as a gift from you. To realize that all the little things we do, though they may feel mundane or tedious, they're filled, they're pregnant with promise. Moments where we can make an eternal difference. Lord, help us to become people who grow in character. And Lord, when all is said and done at, it, at the end of our lives, that the things that are said about us would be true, would be good, would be honoring, would be redemptive, and would honor you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.